Welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. Don't forget to go to do not listen to this podcast.com to get details on how you can support the podcast. When you support the podcast, 50% of your donations go to feeding stray cats and dogs. And we are now over 700 of those little rascals getting fed because of you. So we appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited about today's show. I have a, a guy who I really enjoy uh, as, and I, I consider him a friend, even though we haven't met in the real world yet, but that will happen at some point in time. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, how are you? I'm and good. I agree. We are definitely friends that have connected here online. Um, my name is Michael Laylor, and I am a physician executive, and I'm excited to be with you today, Roger. That's great. And this this whole episode, all these episodes are focused on connections to the pandemic. And I wanted to have you, well, first of all, you have a lot of initials behind your name. So let's go through them and, and, and what they are, because they're important. You got it. Yeah. So I joke, uh, t- 23 as of right now, and there you, may be You could almost get the five. whole alphabet, right? Yeah, You're so close. There. So, so my, my professional title is Michael Laylor, MD, MBA, CPE, FACHE, HMDC, FAAHPM. So <laughs> I just applied for five more. So let's go through what each one of those means, because I think this is sure. important. I think a lot of times there's su- you know, such a movement of minimizing education, but I think, uh, I think the education is much more important than people realize. Yeah, so the MD, you know, I think fairly self, right. self-evident, went to medical school right. and uh, I'm a physician by training, MBA, you know, later after I was out of med school, I had this real um, love of the intersection of business and medicine and, you know, physician leadership. So went to business school, uh, got an MBA. Right. Uh, CPE is a great one. And that's, you know, one I'm really proud of. It stands for Certified Physician Executive. Oh, that's awesome. And it, it's an additional designation that has to do with physician leadership and management and real transitioning into executive roles, as it right. says. The FACHG is a, I'm a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives, awesome. which again is a additional certification intersecting into all of healthcare management business. So it's board certification in healthcare management. Right. And then HMDC is my clinical career. My clinical specialty is in the realm of hospice and palliative medicine. So HMDC is hospice medical director certified. It's an additional designation for practitioners of hospice um, about the medical director component of the role. Mm-hmm. And then FAAHPM is a fellow of the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. So right. this is um, a recognition of your clinical expertise in the area of hospice and palliative care. That's amazing. And you like to cook, but you haven't gotten any cooking degrees. No cooking degrees. Let's get no on trip this. to Let's the CIA on. or anything. I'll work we on it. Get, come yeah. on. Let's get, you know. Um, so the, the main reason I wanted to have you on is I, I am sick and tired of hearing people talk about how they're having COVID-19 fatigue um, because they can't go do something like eat at a restaurant. Um, the only people I feel that have any right to talk about any kind of COVID fatigue 
are people like yourself that are actually in there every day and have been in there every day dealing with this crap since it started. And so talk a little bit about what that, what real COVID fatigue is from a caretaking standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it's real. And as you said, I'm knee deep in this every day from an administrative perspective, making sure the staff have appropriate protective equipment from a patient care perspective, from transitioning, you know, the clinical care into different um, areas. How do we do this at home? How do we do this for people that are in the hospital? And it's endless. It's just relentless. Like the thing that I think, you know, isn't described at all is how much just unpredictable there is with it. And right. that you're forced to operate at a, a peak level performance that, you know, may have been unimaginable before, right. but for such a long period of time. Yeah, you haven't and had, a, you what, haven't had a, this has been going on since March. Yeah, it, it's and, endless. And what, I mean, it, the it first- It didn't take a break. It, COVID didn't go, you know what? I'm gonna give you a couple of weeks off in the summer. No, and, <laughs> and I, I have some theories about that, which are hysterical, but um, I mean, what's, the first, what, what's one of the theories? So this to me is, I don't know if you're familiar with what's called the Stockdale paradox. This is like the longest in mass demonstration of the Stockdale paradox I've ever why don't seen. You, why don't you explain it? You explained it to me before we started the podcast and I want sure. you to explain it to the listeners because I think I think this is spot on. And I also think it will be helpful for people to understand how to be supportive and helpful to their friends who are healthcare workers going through this. Yeah. So the Stockdale paradox refers to um, Stockdale was an American POW and had been held for a real prolonged period of time and eventually you know, had his freedom. And afterwards he was interviewed and, you know, was asked a a variant of, you know, how'd you make it through? And he said, you know, oh, I had this unrelenting belief, unwavering belief that I was going to get out. You know, I knew I was going to get out and, and, you know, achieve my freedom. And then he was asked the follow-up question by the reporter of, oh, okay, you know, that's great. Who didn't make it out? And right. he's like, oh, that's easy. The optimists. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait a second. You just said, you know, you had this unwavering belief that you were going to get out, but the people who didn't make it out were the optimists. So how right. is that? And what's the difference? And he, you know, his answer was, well, the difference was the optimists also believed they were going to get out, but they were like, oh, I'll be out by Christmas. And right. then Christmas would come and go and they weren't released. And they transitioned to all be out by Easter and Easter would come and go and they weren't released mm-hmm. and their spirits were just crushed and they didn't right. make it out. At the right. Cause they're it. setting themselves up to fail. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think, that's really amazing. I think that's what we're seeing here. Absolutely. You know, I, at a big national, international worldwide level that, you know, people are, Oh, this is going to be over by the spring. You know, like if you call it hitting in March, oh, this is going to be over by the spring and spring comes and goes and it's still sort of around and maybe getting worse. And then it's, oh, the weather, you know, the heat and the sun and all this kind of stuff is going to make it go away through the summer and you'll be outdoors and it'll be gone. Summer comes and goes and it's still here. And then it starts being like, 
oh, the winter's coming. It's cold and flu season two. We're all moving back inside. And this is going to get worse. And people are just, it's so hard to have their hopes ripped away from them over and over and over again. And then like on the healthcare side, Rob, you said, we saw a little bit of a dip in the numbers in the hospitals, in facilities, a little bit better management in long-term care arena. And now it is worse than ever before at a worldwide level. Well, yeah, because- devastating yeah because the thing is is that in the beginning a lot of the spike was you know nobody knows what the hell's going on and it takes a long time for people especially you know people that are used to knowing what's going on you know the great thing about doctors is they they the good ones they know what's going on and they can fix it right or at least make it better or you know give you some comfort of care but this is was so unknown and you know as each thing kind of you know and it's still unknown. We don't know the long-term effects. We, you know, no. we don't know if people in their 20s, 30s, 40s that got it, that recovered from it, are going to lose 10 years off of their life. Exactly correct. You know, like so many people um, that I speak with try to minimize the overall effect and right. some variant of, well, how you know, it's mostly old people who die of this. And well, in the beginning it was, but those old people are people's moms and dads well, yeah, and stuff and like that. And, that, you know, they like, well, shouldn't be dismissed. Yeah, that's right. It's like you're walking, oh, oh, it's okay for old people to die. Okay, good to know. I'll remind you of that when I, like my mom, she had very serious medical issues that were unknown. The doctors just didn't, they, they didn't know what it was, right? Eventually, uh, as she got further along, we were able to identify it was Huntington's, right? But they didn't know, right? And all three of the doctors that were the major doctors all said the same thing, you know, because she was overweight, right? Um, They all said the same thing, right? Which is, you know, she's only going to have a year to live or, you know, maybe six months, you know, whatever, all that stuff. That was their stuff. The best thing my mom did was she outlived all those doctors, (laughs) They they all died before she did. And that's what I think of when I hear these people going, oh, well, you know, they're old or they had some other illness. It's like, hey, you know, it's nonsense. You you have no idea when. So and we can prove this is statistically proven. The deaths that have occurred are excess deaths. They're above and beyond what any. Right annual prediction would determine. And we're pretty right. good at being able to predict what the no, overall No, exactly. Are. There's a lot of the, data there. And, you know. The other thing that I, I tell people, I'm like, okay, you know, some huge group of individuals recover from this. And then, you know, there's, oh, it's just a bad version of the flu. I'm like, it's one no. infinitely more deadly than the flu. Um, and every statistical methodology verifies this. But right. more importantly, I'm like, how many people do you know that have lived three, four years post having COVID? And the answer by definition is none, none. because this didn't exist. That's right. You you don't know. That's right. We have no idea what the long-term, you know, people, it looks like they've recovered, but we don't know, does this institute early Alzheimer's disease, vascular disease, renal disease? We have no clue because no one has had a prolonged recovery. I saw so one, why not just avoid it in the first place? I saw one thing, and I, I can't remember where it was, but it was a study where they they identified that what it might be doing with younger people is um, speeding up Parkinson's. Yeah, they could, they, you know, so it's interesting. So it's all kinds of stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, and it, it's not what we thought. We're learning so much, you know, because it truly was novel. And there, there's so much new physiology that comes out, right. and transmission data that comes out, all of it. It's, it's incredible. So what, what's been the most disturbing thing for you as a person in it with the people that are, you know, denying it or don't believe it? You know, what's been the most annoying thing of that you know there, there's some extent um i mean i hate to see that it's been politicized right. i can understand how it's happened from the sure. perspective of the intersection of economy and and yeah. you know just media and stuff like that but it, that's like tough to see that there's this discounting of science but right. the 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 thing that really goes hard with it is you know this this mistaken belief that if if science isn't perfect it's wrong like it's always wrong type yeah that's that's science evolved all of science you know knowledge is iterative you're bringing up a really good point i see this as a problem not only in a pandemic but i see it in problems with business businesses where you know they're work operating with one thing and they get new information and they're so stuck on anchoring to the old thing that they can't, they can't realize that like, Hey, you have to clear all that old thinking out of your head. You now have new information. This is a whole different ball game, you know? Uh, it's a hundred percent true. And like, just because something is later proven invalid, right. Doesn't mean your belief at the time wasn't valid or exactly. had at least some contextual truth. And the analogy I make with it is, you know, September 1492, the world is flat, you right. know, and That's everybody right. knew the world was flat. And if you went too far to the left and too far to the right, you were falling off. Yeah. And then, big, you know, big, big problem, I, big problem. back yeah. then. October 1492 comes or whatever. Columbus sells the ocean blue. Now we know the earth is round, right? You know, like the earth was always round. Right. You just didn't recognize it beforehand. Right. But even if the people who said too far left, too far right, you're going to fall off were wrong, there was still some validity in it was really dangerous to keep on going Absolutely. in a direction you didn't know. So That's even right. though the world was round, right. it wasn't okay to just take off and go. Yeah. And it's just the knowledge changed. That's you right. Know, earth at the center of the universe no it's the sun right. you know it's the knowledge changes what what do you want people to know about this disease yeah i mean it's real and it has consequences across the board you know mm-hmm. at first in the early initial numbers there there was a predilection to elderly and multiple mm-hmm. comorbid but we are seeing now more and more that um People of all age groups can have fatal consequences, yeah. not as frequently, but yeah. across the board. And it, it is brutally highly transmissible. Um, that's the thing really, I think people really have. Bad. That's the thing I think people have such a hard time getting is that it just spreads so fast. Yeah, it is. It is highly transmissible, and not to get into the statistics of pandemics right. and how it spreads in R values and K values, but it is it is um, pretty bad, <laughs> you know. Right. Just say that of how quickly it can spread and and how 
generally poor of a job we're doing um, trying to tamp it down. Right. And what's really important to recognize, you know, and I talk about this regularly, multiple times a week, simple measures at an individual level can make a big difference. That's right. Masking does make a difference. And yep. it's, it's not a political statement. It's nothing. Nope. It's right. just, it helps. We are very blessed that this virus can be killed with essentially soap and water. That yeah. you don't need some crazy toxic. That's amazing. That's an Wash amazing. your hands. Yeah. Wash your hands. And then I've moved away from the term social distancing because there's there's some context of it that implies a lack of connection. And right. we know that human beings are social individuals. That they need, need that connection. Connection. Right. But so it's not the, the social distancing. It's the physical distancing. Right. Just stay a little further apart. Stay outdoors right. when you can. Don't get 10, 15 people indoors. Helps you. Right. These little measures would make such a big difference. Yeah. I mean, I think it's amazing that so many people are fighting for their right to do something. Uh, and it may end up being the last year they do it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean so it's like a it's difference like a, between a... If you want a to go right out, that's a good way. idea. So, like, and this is a great analogy because it's a mask too. You know, like, so beekeepers, you know, are right. experts in in keeping bees. You know, they, and they, they don't still, walk around and, that, and they still get stung. Yeah, and they walk around in that big mask. Mm -hmm. So you, as an individual, certainly would have the right to not wear that mask. But sure. if you go kicking a nest of hornets, <laughs> you're gonna you probably need it. You can't be like, oh man, why? Wow, I had the right to not wear that helmet, but I got stung. I don't get it. You know, like you're gonna get stung. No, Same exactly. exact thing with this. You have the right to not wear your mask, but there can be real, real bad consequences. And it's it's, you know, are you familiar with Pascal's wager? I am. Why don't you explain this? This is a good one. This is a good one. The medical version of Pascal's wager. Um, you know, Pascal's wager was essentially, uh, you know, nobody can definitively prove there's a heaven, a hell, an afterlife, Correct. whatever it is. Um, but if you align with some of the traditional Christian beliefs, you know, there's a heaven. Right. And part of going to heaven is, you know, be a good guy, go to church on Sundays type of thing. So Pascal's wager is, well, I can't prove there's a heaven and hell, but if all I got to do is to get into heaven and not get hell, spend an hour in church on Sundays. Okay. The cost of it. admission is right. pretty low. I'll just do it. You know, That's I can't right. prove, but why not? It's the same thing with this to me in the masks. Like, right. you know, some people argue, oh, you can't prove the mask works. Well, well you can. And pretty much. You can't, you can't, you can't prove. Yeah. But how big of a deal is it to just put this thing on? Well, that's right. And if there's a 90-something percent chance it helps, like, it's not a big deal. It's just a no. little mask. And just look, wear that, it. We didn't have any of that problem in the Asian countries because masks are very accepted. And it's yeah. not, you know, we didn't have that. We did not have that issue at all. Um, there was no debate about it. Um, it's just bizarre. Well, um, what are you doing to get a break from this stuff on maybe a daily, weekly, monthly? Because, you know, you're also having to be a leader in this and taking care of your people. That's And you're good at that, no, no doubt about it. What are you doing? What are you doing to take care of yourself in this thing? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like there, there's some side of it 
you know, it's it's an incredible tragedy, but yet there's a fascination I, I personally see from the perspective of leadership and right. leadership models that are being enacted. The other, you know, I you just do need a personal break. Right. I, I've been very blessed to, you know, the upside of it, the great takeaways are spending more time fam- with my family. You know, you mm-hmm. mentioned the cooking thing, you know, we've been eating at home so much more and just doing yeah, right. family meals together, right. which we weren't doing before with the busy, you know. I, in the beginning, I joked with a lot of business people that had, been, you know, they were big travelers, right? And I said, you know, you're going to meet your family for the first time, really. <laughs> you know, because it's true. You know, you're, you, it is an upside to it. So that's good family time. Yeah. And what are you yeah, doing? What, then, about at, what about at work? What about when you're in it and you need a break? What are you doing? That's hard that you just have to push through a little bit. You rely a lot. You know, I personally have been relying a lot on other members of the team. Right. Um, I I do get a, a great personal satisfaction from the perspective of, of truly believing I'm doing everything I can. Right. Um, trying to keep the team members safe. Right. Like the safety of the team members is just the, the, number one priority to me and yeah, knowing I mean, I, that I'm doing my best carries me through a little bit. That's really good. So to, to kind of wrap it up, what, what's the big takeaway that you want people listening to this, this episode? What do you want them to think about? What actions do you want them to take? Yeah. I mean, just, it's real, you know, yeah. we're, we're, it, it definitely is real. We're not perfect. And we're getting better, right. you know, almost like have a degree of patience with the healthcare system as it learns about this. Right. And, you know, the simple things that you do can make a difference for everyone, you know, and right. it's not just you. If you're willing to risk your own life doing everything, there, there's some degree of saying, I get it, you know, that's you. Sure. But your actions are affecting others, you know, right. and they may not have been signing up for what you're looking for. So just just consider those other individuals when you're out there. That's great. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It was fantastic to have you. Thank you so much, Rod. I really appreciate the opportunity.